The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 4. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it is here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am He, the one who is speaking to you. Just then His disciples came. They were astonished that He was speaking with a woman, but no one said anything. No one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I had ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So today we continue with our series, What is the Church? Last week I talked about the church and where we have come from as a congregation. And today I tackle the first of our five defined goals as a church, worship. I think many people experience worship as the life-giving blood to their faith. I see people leave worship experiences fulfilled, energized, excited for the week ahead. Worship is empowering to our faith. It inspires us and strengthens us. And because of worship, we can live out our call from God in the world. Over the years, I've experienced, I think, almost every type of worship from a high liturgical worship where most of the service is chanted and there's incense and robes, lots of kneeling and standing and sitting. I've also experienced Beatles worship where most of the liturgy was songs written by the Beatles. And I've experienced hip-hop worship. And you know what? I've enjoyed all of these worship experiences. Not one worship experience is the same to another. You know, I find value that we have two very different types of worship here at Faith. We are blessed because of this, and we need to celebrate that. We need to drop the labels of contemporary worship, traditional worship, and just call what we do on Sunday morning worship. I'm asked all the time from people here at church and from other churches and church events that I go to, we, we, we talk about what is worship, or better yet, what is true Lutheran worship? Now, if we're all honest with ourselves, we've probably said at one point or another, we can't do that. It's not Lutheran. What do you mean you have drums and guitars and keyboards in worship? That's not Lutheran worship. I saw you give the sign of the cross on yourself for a blessing, and we can't really sing that hymn in worship. Only Catholics do that. It's easy to fight about the types of worship that we have. But really, when I think of worship, I want to go deeper than a specific type of worship. I want to better understand worship and our role in it. 
And there are a few things that I think we need to know. First, it is all about us. And second, it is all about God. Let me explain that a little further. When I say that it's all about us, what I mean is that each of us has this battle raging within our hearts over what we love most. Is it God or is it something else? And we call that something else an idol. Now, I don't think any of us are building golden statues in our closets and calling them God. An idol can be something very simple that comes from multiple places. But the basic understanding is that whenever we love and serve something in place of God, we run the risk of placing that thing, that experience or idea above our relationship with God. We love our idols because we think that they will provide us with joy and happiness. And we give in to them and we may even convince ourselves that what we are doing, well, well, this is what God wants us to do. But friends, true worship comes from God alone. I had a colleague who was a huge football fan. He grew up just outside of Chicago. And in college, he went to the University of Chicago, eventually the Chicago Seminary. And and we met one time at a first call retreat. Now, as a pastor and an NFL fan, let me tell you, These things don't always work out when it comes to watching football on a Sunday. Well, he went to his congregation and he said, well, Sunday morning worship ends about noon. And so my day off is going to start at noon on Sunday and end at noon on Monday. So then he could rush home, prepare for an afternoon and evening of watching football. Now, there's nothing wrong with watching football in the afternoon and evening. I've done that a number of times myself. But he said to his congregation that he could have no obligations on a Sunday afternoon or evening. He refused to have meetings or or confirmation class or anything on a Sunday, at least during football season. Well, let me tell you, that did not go over well with people in his congregation. And I think part of the reason is they recognize that he was trying to claim his day off, his Sabbath time, during this block of time. He said it wasn't for him, it was something that God wanted to do. But really, he wasn't doing it for God, he was doing it for himself. Now, we all need time of Sabbath, time apart from the day-to-day experiences in our lives, but we also need to realize that when we take this time, we need to focus that time not on ourselves, but on God. And when we finally immerse ourselves in worship, we can see the life-changing effect that it has on us. We can align our hearts with the mission that God calls us to do. The prayers, the scripture readings, the hymns, all of this enables us to worship and then to bring that experience into our daily lives. And we see this taking place when Jesus talks with the woman at the well. He tells her, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship neither God nor on this mountain or in Jerusalem. It won't matter how you worship, because to me, it doesn't matter where you worship. It doesn't matter how you worship. The reality is you worship the best way that you know how. But the hour is coming, 
And it is here now when the true worshipers, those who fully give their hearts and souls and lives to God, will worship God in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him will worship in spirit and in truth. They will take what they experience in worship, and they will tell the world about God's love. So when I say worship is about us, well, what I mean is that we need to find out first where our heart is. Are we worshiping the idols in our lives? Or are we able to let everything go and give everything over to God? To lay our burdens, our thoughts, our prayers, our lives, our struggles at the foot of the cross. And while we are kneeling at the foot of the cross, we can listen to what God is telling us and we meet God there. So we can fully align our lives with God's will for us. And then what do we do next? Well, to get an idea of of what to do next, I went to the obvious place, Facebook. And I asked the question, what is worship to a number of Facebook groups that I belong to? And I received about 50 comments and and messages from people from around the country, both clergy and non-clergy people. And here are some of the things that the people said. When I hear the word worship, I think of a reflection on teachings I think of a celebration of God and a means to learn what our purpose in life is. Worship centers me and prepares me for another week. There's also this gift of spending time with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Worship equals expressions of love as we come together to celebrate the mystery of God. This to me made the, is made most real in the sacrament of the Eucharist as we share the meal of bread and wine to unite us so that as we consume Christ, Christ consumes us. Worship for me, a 74-year-old, is focusing on what God is doing and then how can I participate. Worship means putting aside everything that is going on with me to thank God for all that he has done for me in spite of myself. It is an opportunity to be refueled before we go on with the rest of our daily lives serving others. Worship is thanking and praising the Lord, listening to his words, singing our favorite hymns, saying prayers for forgiveness, guidance, and blessings for the coming week, and receiving the sacrament. Worship is an act of religious devotion performed as a group or individually, at least according to Wikipedia. And I thought that was pretty good. I don't always attend church, but that doesn't mean I can't worship. And this is how the ELCA defines worship. Worship stands at the center of our life of faith. Through God's word, water, bread, and prayer, we are nurtured in faith and then sent out into the world. Worship is central to everything that we do. Worship unites us in celebration, engages us in thoughtful dialogue, and helps us grow in faith. It grounds us in our Christian and Lutheran roots and connects us to the world. You see, worship can mean so many things to so many people, but the commonality that I see among what my friends have said on Facebook and in the conversations that I've had over the years is that worship connects us with God, connects us with one another around the Word of God and in the sharing of sacraments of communion and baptism. 
the way that we structure worship is called the ordo, which means we gather together, we hear the word, we share in the meal, and then we are sent off into the world to share with the world what we have experienced in worship. That's it. That's what worship is, and, and how we live that out is called the, the liturgy, which means the work of the people. We gather to express both verbally and physically what is important to our community, both our faith community as well as the larger community. You see, we gather confessing our deepest fears, failings, and hopes, and in that we hear God's promise of forgiveness, wholeness, and love. We sing hymns that not only inspire us, but hymns that teach us, and they enable us to give us thanks and praise to God. We read from the Bible, both the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We hear the gospel proclaimed in the preaching, and we physically receive the same gospel in the sacraments. We offer our prayers to God, and God hears and responds to our deepest needs. We take an offering to share the blessings that we have received from God with others. And then we are sent out into the world to live faithful lives among God's people. And we respond to and share God's love with the world. In all these ways, we connect with a church who has come before us, the church in which we are a part of now, and the church yet to come. So when we come to this holy place, we come as broken people who are in need of a Savior, and we are helped by other broken people who are in need of a Savior. And through that relationship with the people around us as we enter into worship, we hear and experience the great story of God's grace, love, and forgiveness given to us, and then we share that with the world. And when we come to worship, we simply don't come just to meet some kind of requirement or do it because we have nothing else to do on a Sunday or do it because we have always done it. But we come to worship so we can be changed. We can become instruments of God's grace and love to bless the world. We are going to feel more alive than we ever have before when we leave this place. And when we gather for worship, we are being drawn into something much greater than ourselves. We are being invited to take our place along the line of people who have seen the effects of God's grace in their life, and they have given thanks and praise to God. They have turned their life over to God with thankful hearts. So like the woman at the well, we are being called by Jesus to get to know and love our true selves, to experience life-changing worship. And like the woman at the well, we will then drop everything we have to share our stories. They might not be pretty stories. They might not be graceful stories, but they are our stories. And when we combine our stories with the story of God, well, my friends, that has the most powerful impact on who we are, how we are loved and blessed in this world. And once we get to know our true selves, once we experience the love and grace of God, once we have this feeling of thankfulness, well, then, my friends, we can share that with the world. 
We have been blessed by the best. And we can share that love and that grace which changes our lives forever. Amen.